I think for me, the, the thing that really draws me into the picture is, or into the story, is the pictures that you present. Either whether you do them with your words or with uh, especially uh, um, with you how, well, both of you were very expressive in showing the emotion behind the experience that you had. And uh, for me, that's what really draws me in. Some people can do that with just words on a page, and some people can do that with, you know, a, as actors or whatever. But I think it's bringing a person into the, like you said, the, the, the subjective part of the story, to see the story as it's living, and that your expression of it with your words and your emotions is what makes it living to people, and that's what gets through to them more than facts yeah, or thank you. figures. So, do you guys want to relate? Because you both so embodied it, and you have your mic still on. Mm -hmm. Gillette, so, yeah. uh, any response to that? Go that ahead, first, please. Well, I, we're always going to end up using words. The point is, what do we use words for? And what we have used words for in this Gutenberg world that has come to an end in your lifetime and mine, basically, is to support a delivery system of points. I mean, the modern world began with a 95-point sermon. Um, and it's been getting a little less pointy. But some of us actually have the idea that Jesus communicated like this. Let me give you these seven habits of highly effective discipleship. Write these down. You know. And some of us think that's Jesus. No, Jesus is the greatest communicator who ever lived, and that's not how he talked. How did he communicate? The kingdom of heaven is like. Came an image, a metaphor. Don't forget the metaphor. That's right. what helps you remember the story, right. is the metaphor. And the metaphor comes first. Around which, so the words then now are used as kind of to support the platforming of these I call them narrophores, these narrative metaphors. And we got to provide the soundtrack. Now, the whole, Jesus had a soundtrack. That's a whole other conversation. But we, this culture has got to have a soundtrack. Oh, that's got me curious. Idlet, um, why is the emotion and the whole embodiment of a story something that you communicate through or, or as you're seeing Jesus? Any response to that? You want to play with that? Well, I can only bring my wound. Um, my woundedness, and, and it's where Jesus has met me in my woundedness, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's where Jesus has shown me the expansiveness of the kingdom and the grace, 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 grace of the kingdom, right? And so I can only bring my story to it and then find Jesus in that story. And, and, and sometimes I do it in words, and sometimes it's how I talk with a friend through my story, and sometimes it's just that picture of Jesus with a towel or Jesus on a cross. Um, fully spread out for relationship, both this one and this one, right? So, I, I'm, yeah. an, I'm an Enneagram 7. I like it all. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, I'm loving your comments. Anybody else have a question before we take a break? Yes, your name, please. My name is Jody. Um, I have a question for, I forgot your name. I apologize. What this is Lynn. Sir, Lynn, okay. Edelette. I love your analogy of the bird in the pan versus in the bush. Um, I became a Christian when I was 16, um, but what that essentially meant is that I became very religious at 16, um, so a little over, over 10 years now. Um, so I'm sort of 
trying to move away from religion and, and following actually following Jesus. So what advice would you give for someone who's been reading the Bible as the bird in the pan for well over 10 years? Great question. Now how do I like put, you know, make it yeah. a bird in the bush? How do you get rid of the pan? Yeah. yeah. So I, this is how I'm doing it. So I'm just telling you, I mean, this is because I'm like you. This is how I learned to read it, bird in the pan. Now I got to, so, and let me give you one example. Okay. Um, every story, I go back and I go, okay, what is the root metaphor of this story? And then, okay, so that root metaphor, and then what is the backstory? To, I think I know these words. What, but what is the backstory of this word? Let, let me give you one example. Aletheia. Can you all say that? Okay, that's the Greek word for truth. You learned a Greek word this morning. All right. So we, when you think of truth, I guarantee you, you're going to think of a proposition, a statement, some kind of rational, oh well. But Aletheia, what is the root metaphor and the backstory of that word truth that we translate and we've wordified it and propositionalized it, but... but Actually, the root metaphor is, you ready? To come out of hiding. So to live in truth is to live a life where you come out of hiding. Do we have any hiding stories? Oh, yeah. Let's go back to the Genesis, our Genesis story, our original. You see what I mean now? So, what you, so you're reading the Bible, so you're starting to read it as a whole. As one story. I think it's the greatest. This, this is one story. It's the story of Jesus from Genesis to the maps. It's one story. And so if we can trust the story. We've learned to trust the words. I, tr I want to tr learn to trust the story. And so uh, that's what I do. I just so, okay, so now what does it mean that my basic definition of who I am is a hider? That's what sin is. I'm hiding from God. I'm hiding from myself. I'm hiding from each other. Read the story. Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? We're hiding. Why are you hiding? We're naked. See, we're hiding from ourselves. First hiding from God, hiding from ourselves. Why did you do that tree? Well, God knew, but God, because truth is communicated in story. Oh, well, she made me do it. Or then she goes to the serpent. Well, we're hiding from each other. See, so we got, and then God says, okay, choice or consequences, you're out of the garden. So now, well, now we're hiding from creation. So we got these, so original sin here, right here, is four hidings. We're hiding from God, hiding from ourselves, hiding. So you read the Bible in this whole new way and you start connecting the dots. Where, and then the, you know, the serpent's skull will one day be crushed. And the curse will be broken. Where was Jesus crucified? Golgotha, the place of the, where the serpent's skull was. And the power of sin and death was brought. You, you see, you just start reading it as one story. Beautiful. Any other question or comment? Thanks, Jody. Okay, we're in a good spot. This is wonderful. Um, yes, sir. You know, this is a... I never thought about it this way, this story thing, because I'm eating with a guy at McDonald's, as far as I know, doesn't know the Lord. I'm going to talk to him. And in the past, you know, I would talk about the goodness of God, and I'd tell my own story. And it's kind of a challenging thing, like in Ephesians, first chapter, you got all kinds of facts of who we are in Christ and what happened, and tried to make that. And Paul was really telling the story to the Ephesians. 
So to try to process that and be able to share that with someone mm -hmm. uh, is completely different than gotcha. giving them a scripture. And the scripture's true. Okay. But it's, it doesn't, to try to put it, uh, you know, I think if, if the world knew about the heart of God, then we, we'd, we'd be down the road. Yeah, Thank you. I, I, th I think you're really onto something here because I don't think we can evangelize this culture until we can tell the whole story in 10 minutes. Wow. Can you tell the whole story from Genesis to the maps in 10 minutes? If I were pastoring a church, I did two church plants in my life. If I were to do another one, this would be the only requirement for membership, except I wouldn't call it membership. You stand in front of your brothers and sisters, and you've got 10 minutes. Tell the story. The whole story. The whole story. Ten minutes. And you can do it. Okay. That's your lunch assignment. 